Good morning, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jess, and I'm happy to welcome you here this morning. Extra warm welcomes and shout outs to those of you who are joining us for the first time. Hope you're all having a good morning. Um, so as most of you know, there are new announcements coming through this week about um, COVID restrictions being lifted. And so we just want to remind you to be on the lookout for email and info coming from us as we are made aware of what changes are made. We will let you know in terms of the plans for our gatherings moving forward. Hopefully we'll be able to see a little bit more of each other in person. It would be awesome. So be on the lookout for that this week. Um, also, thank you to everyone who has been giving. You can continue to do so by sending e-transfers to giving at apalliston.com. Nice and easy and simple, which is great. So yeah, um, enjoy the rest of your time here. Hope you're having a good morning. Blessings and peace to you. Today I'll be reading God's Word from Ephesians 3, verses 1 to 13. I'll be reading from the NIV translation. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power, although I am least, less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Amen. This is the word of God, which is absolutely true and given to us in love. Hey guys, good morning. Welcome to our service this morning. Um, if you're new, a special welcome to you. My name is Josh. I love Jesus, and I love his church, and I have the privilege of continuing on in our series in Ephesians this morning. If you guys are not new and have been with Anchor Point for a while, I miss you guys. Look forward to when we can see each other again soon. So as I was saying, just continuing on our series in Ephesians, All Things New, where we've kind of transitioned from Paul talking about 
the vertical relationship of God and man and what Jesus has accomplished on the cross to redeem and to create this new humanity in himself to what Tom started talking about last week uh, of the man-to-man relationship, the horizontal relationship, and he, he used the term of the gospel being multidimensional. And so it's not just about God and man, but it's also about man and man. And, you know, we, we saw in that scripture in in uh, Ephesians 2 of Jew and Gentile being united in Jesus, um, where they're no longer f- foreigners or strangers, but citizens in God's kingdom and equal members of his house, which is a beautiful thing. And so we're going to continue in that theme of the horizontal, the man versus man, this new family that Jesus has created in himself. And as we kind of think of that word family, uh, Tom described it last week as something altogether new. You know, a lot of us, I mean, most of us had a, have had some sort of experience in family, whether for good or bad. And so I think we all need to, as we're kind of wrestling with these scriptures, to allow Jesus by his spirit to re-examine uh, our definition of family and how we are uh, taking some of those definitions inevitably and applying them to how we understand God's family. Because I think there's when we do that, we're missing something. And so I just want to encourage us this morning to, to re-examine how we define what God's family should actually look like. And so to get us started this morning, I just had this kind of fun little thought that I got as I was doing my study uh, that helps, it's a kind of a primer to help us open our gaze, broaden our perspective on what God's family actually is. You know, sometimes here, you know, in Anchor Point and Allison, we kind of get a bit tunnel vision on what God's doing in the world, but this was kind of a cool little story. And so uh, Tim Mackey, on a sermon that he did on this exact scripture and in a podcast called The Family of God. If you guys are interested, you should check it out. It's really good. Excuse me. He talks about um, this church in Nazareth. That might sound familiar. But it's a Catholic church in Nazareth that uh, has all these reproductions of the painting The Madonna and Child. So if you like art, check it out online. Uh, It's a pretty famous painting of Mary and Jesus and so what they did in this church was they had artists from all over the world all different countries recreate this painting as a symbol of the vast reaches of what Jesus has done in this world so I thought that was pretty cool I'm just going to show you some of them here so if you look this one is America and then as you scroll you get Chile and we got China. And so yeah, if you got some time, I would encourage you to take a look at it. It's pretty cool. And I think it's a great broadening of our perspective on kind of the impact Jesus has had on the world around us. Japan and Korea. Philippines, Poland, it just keeps going. Spain, 
Switzerland, Liechtenstein, Thailand. So I thought it would be a fun activity. Parents, if you're around and uh, your kids are around, you can bring them in now because this is where Mr. Josh goes all wacky. Um, but I thought it would be interesting for us all to kind of draw a picture of the Madonna and child and maybe post it to the uh, the Anchor Point family page uh, for everyone to see. So I actually drew a picture. Um, if you can see that. This is my representation of the Madonna and child. If you look, Jesus, his hair looks like Mary has a mustache. So maybe kids, if you're a bit better of an artist than Mr. Josh, you'll be able to fix that. But it'd be cool if we could see kind of our unique representation in God's family in the form of art and just share that with each other. So if you'd like as a little activity, that'd be kind of cool to see some of those up there. And kids, get back at me. Let me know if my shading was a little off or if I need to fix some things. I'd love to hear your comments in some way, either through your parents or directly. So yeah, I think now's a good time as we kind of just gain a bit more of a perspective on what God's doing in creating this new family in the world to just pray and jump into the to the scriptures to kind of hopefully learn a bit more about that this morning. So let's just pray. Father, we come before you this morning humbly. We recognize we have a underdeveloped understanding of what being part of your family actually is. So we lay down our preconceived ideas of family we ask you, Jesus, to teach us by your spirit how we can honor you and how we are a part of that family, Lord. We want to understand it more. We want to live it out. We want to be a witness for you um, in all that we do and how we love and how we relate to each other. So show us that this morning. We trust that you will. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to talk about two and a half to three things-ish. I couldn't say a three-point message, so I had to say two and a half to three. Um, and in the scripture that was read right before I came on, you might have heard the word mystery come up a bunch of times. So the first thing we're going to talk about is just what is the mystery of the gospel and why it's important. And then we're going to talk about why the mystery actually matters to us. And then lastly, we're going to talk about how this mystery of the gospel applies to some of the things that have been ha happening in our church family recently. So the first part, the mystery of the gospel, we're just kind of go over that. If you could take your Bibles and turn them back to Ephesians 3, and we're just going to read Ephesians 3, verse 6 to really grab a hold of that. So Paul, I think, mentions mystery twice before this, and here he plainly spells it out for us. So he says in Ephesians 3, 6, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Let that just sink in for a second. And after it's sunk in, let us gain some context of why this matters and what Paul's actually talking about here. So for some of us might remember we went through the book of Acts in the summer, and there, if you take your Bibles and turn to Acts 21, we see the the beginning of of all of this so paul actually ultimately goes to prison and dies 
for this idea of, of the mystery of the gospel, meaning that the Gentiles are co-heirs with Israel in the promises of God. And so if you guys just want to turn to Acts chapter 21, uh, and we're just going to read a few verses here, verses 17 to 21, I think. So when we arrived, this is Paul coming into Jerusalem. When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. Then they said to Paul, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. Zealous for the law. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. What shall we do? I think I read a little bit of verse 22. There. So why, why is that important? Well, what's, ha what's actually happening there? You know, Paul's coming, telling them what's happening with the Gentiles, and the Jewish Christians at the time are looking at Paul and saying, hey, what's the deal here? If these Gentiles want to be part of God's family, they got to look and act like Jews. They can't just be doing their own thing. What are you actually teaching them? And so these Jewish Christians were still holding on to these cultural distinctions as a means to control who they thought was part of God's family and who wasn't. And this is a big deal because this is what Paul is getting at, that in Jesus, those things don't exist anymore. It's Jesus and nothing else. It's faith in Jesus that defines who is part of God's family. And so for us to kind of get a, an understanding of how that happened and why that matters, we even have to take a bit of a step further back. And, and if we jump into the, you know, the biblical narrative and start even at the patriarchs, you know, we see God promising Abraham that through his line, God would bless all the nations. But in Abraham's line comes Israel. And so it's a weird kind of thing where you, you hear God promising that all the nations are going to be blessed. But then in the Old Testament, when we're reading, we see specifically this one group of people, the Israelites, Isaac, and then Jacob, and the 12 tribes of Israel, that becomes God's covenant people. And so we see, and what we're reading even right now in our reading plan is this miraculous redemptive story of God bringing his people out of Egypt saving them and making a covenant with them and so it God intended that Israel would be a light to the nations and a witness of himself the living God and so this this covenant included laws and ways of living that would set Israel apart and that what and that would represent God to the world around them. And as we read in the Old Testament, we see that time and time and time again, Israel messes it up and doesn't hold up their end of the covenant. So I want you to hear this point and keep it front and center in your head as we continue through this morning. The cultural distinctions that God intended as a way for Israel to represent him over time actually became a source of pride and arrogance and a stumbling block to Israel's purpose of representing God, of being God's covenant family people, however you want to describe it. 
And so we see these ways of living, these cultural distinctions, the Sabbath, circumcision, the food laws, the temple. The Israelites end up falling in love with the laws and not the lawgiver. And as you know, we progress through that biblical narrative in that story, we start to see, you know, in the prophets, this idea of a Messiah coming, someone who would bless all nations, something that Israel was intended to do but never could do. And so Jesus comes along and we see him dealing with the Pharisees and Israel with these very issues that, that the laws and the cultural distinctions that God had given Israel to set apart had become their God, had become their idol, and that they had fallen away from God and grown prideful in their chosenness. And so Jesus actually, in dying on the cross, becomes what Israel could, would never be and could never be. So in his death, he actually creates a new family, the church, to represent him from all the peoples. But the only identifier now is actually faith in Jesus. So it's not laws. It's not the way I dress. It's not what I eat. It's just my faith in Jesus. And so if we flip back to Acts in 21, the story kind of goes on and Paul gets in prison because all these Jews think that he brought a Gentile into the temple. And so that's the, the start of him making all these speeches to all these powerful rulers about the gospel, about who Jesus is. But it all started because the Jews thought that he did something that was punishable by death and he didn't actually do it. And so Paul ends up going to prison for this belief that, you know, actually Gentiles are co-heirs with you guys. You guys had your chance and now by faith in Jesus alone is what makes you part of this new family that Jesus has created. And so if we go back to Ephesians 2, verse 11 to 16, we can kind of just be reminded of what Paul says there, and it's, it's beautiful. So Galatians 2, 11 to 16, and this kind of highlights what I was just talking about. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, Jesus who once was far, who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Amen. And so it's, it's this idea, guys, that has actually changed the world. You know, you and me, we're Gentiles. Through what Jesus has done and only is how we have now access to the family of God, how we're invited into the family of God, and that's pretty crazy.
That is the mystery of the gospel that we read in Ephesians 3, verses 6. And so why does that mystery matter to us? Well, I mean, like I just said, we are those Gentiles who are far off. We were like the Ephesians who Paul is writing this letter to. And so what we saw in that me going through that kind of narrative of the Old Testament, what we saw in Israel in their cultural pride, you know, Tom talked about that us against them mentality. I think it's it's the pool that we today actually swim in often. And I said here this point previously, and I'm just going to read it again to us. The cultural distinctions that God intended as a way to represent him, so apply this to us now. The cultural distinctions that God intended as, intended as a way to represent him over time became a source of pride and arrogance and a stumbling block to Israel's purpose of representing God. So I'm just going to read Ephesians, the second half of the scripture that we read this morning. And we're going to talk, use that to talk about how this mystery matters to us. So Ephesians 7 to 13. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Procurers up here. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of excuse me, of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know why I enunciated eternal like that. In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you which are your glory. So we are the church, right? We are the witness of God to rulers and authorities in heavenly places. So I'm going to take a bit of a leap here. I'm going to do my best to explain this in a way that makes sense, but please, if you have any questions or you're confused, give a shout. I'd love to have a conversation with you because I think this this is uh, maybe some hard stuff to process but I think it's important so here we go Jesus is the person who unites humanity in himself through the cross okay the opposite truth is that Satan desires to create disunity that dividing wall of hostility between people so in the fall we have fractured relationship between God and man what we've been talking about at the beginning of Ephesians and between man and man and so in sin, pride being the main source of sin, there are both physical and spiritual consequences. And I know for a lot of us, me being the uh, number one person here, the spiritual th side of things are often a little more complicated for me to fully comprehend. But what we see later even in Ephesians is Paul talking about, we're not primarily fighting against flesh and blood, but against rulers and powers and principalities and dark places, demonic forces, I think he says something like that. So there's a spiritual reality 
where there are forces, authorities and powers that we read in, you know, that scripture in Ephesians 3 verse 10, that are at work right now for both God and Satan. And so until Jesus returns, these satanic authorities and powers are still daily trying to cause disunity and fractures in our relationship with God and each other. And as I kind of think about this and I meditated on it, I think this becomes the most evident in our thought lives. And that is a spiritual reality. And it makes sense because Paul takes so much of his letters in so many places we see him addressing our thoughts, our minds, you know, taking our thoughts captive. You know, what we're thinking about, whatsoever is good, pure, lovely, honorable, admirable. My mom tried to get me to memorize that scripture so many times. Think on these things. Being transformed by the renewing of our minds, training ourselves in right, training up ourselves in righteousness. So Paul had an awareness of our need to have our mind ready but ready for what? Because I think it's in our thought life that those cultural distinctions that we were talking about, the prideful ways of, of how we determine who is in God's family and who is not, that's where they develop in our thoughts. And that's the very, thing that, the very same thing that happened to Israel. And so Paul is saying that the church, you and me, a family united in Jesus is actually the witness of God to these authorities and powers in the heavenly places. And, and these are the authorities and powers that drive disunity, that drive tribalism, that drive the us and them mentality, that encourage pride in ourselves to build up. And so it's our example with one another, Gentiles brought into the family of God, That is actually the battleground where these spiritual battles are won and lost. So how we act as a family determines the outcome of spiritual battles. I don't quite understand that, but the more I've studied it and the more I'm think, thinking about it, it actually makes sense. And so when we represent Jesus well as his family, we actually gain victory over those powers and authorities, but the opposite is also true when we don't represent him well. And so I think this means that how we value, how we relate to, and how we exist together at Anchor Point, it actually matters, guys. It matters, I think, a lot more than how eloquently I can articulate it this morning. And I guess the biggest proof of that is that both Jesus and Paul died for this. Think about that. They died for that truth. And that's a sobering thought for me. It's convicting. And so this is the last point that I'll talk about this morning is how the mystery of the gospel relates to us at Anchor Point. 
I think everyone would agree if if I said that what Jesus accomplished on the on the cross can never and will never be inconsequential or insignificant or trivial. So him creating a new family, an entirely new thing, it's actually a big deal. And it holds an eternal worth and value. And so that if I here this morning say to you guys that Jesus is king of my life, this is the question that I'm going to throw out there this morning, the challenge for us. And it might be hard. It's probably going to be hard because it's hard for me as I think through it. Is how much have I actually valued this family that he's created? How much do I value this family that he's created? The family that both King Jesus and the Apostle Paul died for. You know... This last year and a bit, I think, has been difficult in a lot of different ways. But if COVID has brought one question to my mind that I've been wrestling with and struggling with, it's been that question. How, do, how am I actually valuing God's family? I mean, there's been more than one, but that's probably the biggest one. And I think for a lot of us, if we're being honest... COVID has actually revealed an answer if we choose to look at it to that question for us. And I know times have not been so easy at Anchor Point recently. And we've been seeing, you know, a lot of acceptance of other family members at Anchor Point that have been based around, you know, similar family situations, shared interests, or even how old we are. And we've also seen a lot of rejection at Anchor Point that's been based around personality differences, doctrinal stances, and in idols in our own lives. So I think that one of the truths or the main truth is that Jesus came and died to do away with these things, guys. Those things that Israel stood on that defined who was part of the family. Jesus changed all that. So why, why, do, why are we going back there? He came to unite us in him and in him alone. And so some of these things that have caused, whether we notice it or not, issues in, in, in how we valued God's family and how unity has been a priority for us, they need to go. Jesus has to be the thing that we unite around. And so today, I guess my hope is that let's all ask Jesus to help us understand more of the mystery that we've been talking about this morning of the gospel of Jew and Gentile being united into God's family. How through the cross he made us a family 
how we can honor him and each other and how we value this family that he's created. And that's kind of all I got for this morning, guys. I look forward to the day that we get to meet again. I'm just going to pray a psalm over us. And I hope you guys have a great Sunday. So this psalm, if you want to turn to it with me, is Psalm 67. Do you ever try to go to a book of the Bible and you just go way past it? You don't even notice that you did it, because I just did it. Oh, and then I almost turned right to it. Psalm 67, guys. This is what it says. May God be gracious to us. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the people praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still, so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Amen to that. Love you guys. Hope you have a great day.